Beyond the Box 71 podcast, and sermon for Banbury Community Church called Fasting Works. Just imagine the true story of an intelligent, attractive Christian young person with a rock-solid commitment to Christ who had a God-given desire in their heart to marry another Christian. They couldn't find anyone where they're at. They then went to larger churches, reckoning that the bigger the pond, the more fish available. But nothing happened there either. They started to get a bit frustrated, even anxious. But they were given wise spiritual counsel on how to make a difference. Add this discipline to your devotional life. What is the discipline? Prayer and fasting. So they did a mere three-day fast, and within one week of the fast, they met their future spouse. Bottom line, fasting works. I want to read to you from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. These are the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fasteth, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That reference again is Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. What takeaways can we have from the words of Jesus? Well, the first point is he says explicitly, when ye fast, not if. This is an assumption by the Lord that those who follow him, who hear his words and put them into practice, will have a period of fasting, whether it's a day a week or intermittently throughout the year or longer as led by the Holy Spirit. But he says, when you fast, please note how not to fast. Do not fast as the hypocrites who put on a melodrama of discomfort and hunger so they can be seen of men to be fasting, which gives them social credit. Look how pious and righteous they are. They're not eating. They're giving their time to God in prayer, is the assumption. But that's the essence of hypocrisy, to be seen of men, to be a man-pleaser or woman-pleaser rather than a God-pleaser. So Jesus goes on in another takeaway, how to fast, be normal and natural. Now, it's not wrong to tell somebody you're fasting. It's wrong to put on a front or do so in an ostentatious way that is meant to make you look good. That's the issue not the actual fast itself. So the bottom line, though, whether for hypocritical or not reasons, fasting brings rewards. That's why people do so. Even (laughs) non-Christians recognize the value of fasting because fasting works. So the first question we ask here is, what is fasting? The answer, and this is my definition, the voluntary abstinence from food for the purpose of spiritual devotion and growth. It is to receive answers from God in prayer. Now, here's a lesson for life. 
Fasting is not famine. It is feasting on God's word and drinking deeply of the living waters of the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said to the devil, no less, in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Proverbs 30, verse 5, Every word of God is pure. Fasting does for us what money cannot. It buys us time with the Almighty. Eating, even if you are fast in devouring food, does consume a lot of time. Now, the Bible has approximately 35 recorded fasts. I only just highlight a few. There was the three-day Esther fast, which resulted in the deliverance of the Jewish people from sure annihilation. This fast is in Esther chapter 4. Then there was a three-day fast by Saul of Tarsus after he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. He was healed as a result of that fast and baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's Acts chapter 9, verse 9 and 17. There's another fast by Paul, and not only Paul, but 276 men that were with him on the journey to Rome, the, on the high seas. They were fasting for 14 days. It's recorded in Acts 27, verses 33 and 34. Just imagine being in a storm that is so ferocious, you can't even tell whether it's day or night. No wonder they did not want to eat. It really was an involuntary fast. And then we have our hero Daniel from the Old Testament. He did a 21-day partial fast. He received revelation from the angel. You can read about it in Daniel 10, verses 3 to 13. And then here's something of interest. There are 40-day fasts done by famous biblical greats. Moses did the 40-day fast three times. Then Joshua did it. Elijah did it. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ himself did it in the Judean wilderness prior to the commencement of his ministry. The second question, when to fast? I want to read to you from Luke chapter 5, verses 33 to 35. And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees? But thine eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast, while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. In many ways, fasting is a type of mourning, mourning a loss, mourning a sin. But fasting is very inappropriate during a wedding. A wedding is a time of joy, rejoicing. It's family festive fun, food, and friends. I still recall a wedding that I officiated at, and there was one sourpuss in the wedding, not the party, but in the audience. He would not smile at anything, not at the vows, not at the kiss at the end of the vows, not at the reception where there were humorous stories. He refused to smile. It reminds me of the man in the parable who came to the wedding without a wedding garment, was cast into 
outer darkness, where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, we don't wish that for anyone, so let's just move on. Lesson for life. You don't fast when the bridegroom is present, but you fast when the bridegroom is not present and you need him. Jesus is the bridegroom. We need to get closer to God. Fasting is a key way to do it. And pardon the pun, fasting fast tracks you to the presence and the glory of the Lord. What are the reasons for fasting? Well, they include things like a pressing need or a passionate desire, like for healing. Another reason is you're plagued by worry. Please remember, God doesn't want you to be a worry wart, a beast of burden, carrying heavy loads that were never intended. We want to cast our care on Him because He cares for us, and fasting is a good way of shifting the burden. People fast when they are chastened or judged by the Lord because they've been wayward, straying off the path, and they want to get right with God. Good idea. A fourth reason is you want to break a bad habit or you want to overcome a sin. Number five, there is danger or spiritual conflict, and you fast to get resolution. Number six, you fast for divine direction when required. And let me tell you, God will speak. He will give you direction. You may or may not like what he's telling you, but he will guide you. He is the good shepherd. We fast when we require divine promotion. And there's other reasons you can fill in the blanks. Third question, why fast? Well, the simple answer is two words. It works. It brings us closer to the bridegroom. And when the bridegroom comes in, the problems go out. So when you are on the boat in a storm, let Jesus into your boat and no more storm. Let him into your house, no more disorder. Let him into your heart, no more turmoil. Fasting can do the following. Number one, it fulfills the injunction of James chapter 4, verse 8, to draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. And when God comes closer, the things of the world and of the devil tend to flee. It will, number two, connect you to the supernatural, both good and evil. You will become more spiritually sensitive. You will master unhealthy habits, appetites, and sins. It will help you overcome temptation. It will aid in your prayer. It will crucify the carnality of body, mind, soul, or spirit. It will give you power over spirits, unclean spirits, evil spirits, and even religious spirits. Fasting will renew your mind by breaking up natural reasoning. Remember the injunction in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, to give your bodies as a living sacrifice and your minds to, for renewal, that you can prove what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. And then, as a secondary benefit, it provides a good detox and gives your digestive system a rest and cleansing. Fasting works. It's been reported that in the days of John Wesley, his ministers fasted twice a week, and of course, he was the leader of the Wesleyan revival. No coincidence. 
Then what about the country of Korea, which was normally considered a Buddhist nation? After the Second World War, the amount of Christians in Korea was in the single digit, very, very small. Today, the minimum amount of Christians in Korea is 30%. Protestant Koreans outnumber Buddhists. That's how potent their growth has been. And remember, some of the world's largest churches are in that nation. Their secret, prayer, fasting, and yes, home groups. In Korea, they have what is called Prayer Mountain. I'm told there's something like 75 of them. I went to visit one of the main ones from the world's largest church, Yoido Full Gospel Church in Seoul. But the Prayer Mountain was an hour away by the demilitarized zone with North Korea. People take their annual leave, their holidays for two weeks, to go to a small little grotto built Korean size and pray and fast for the two weeks of holiday. I personally don't recommend it. I think people need a break, a holiday, rest and refreshment, but that's what they do in Korea. And it's not surprising they've had explosive growth in that nation. All power ministries who move in the Holy Spirit vouch for the potency and effectiveness of fasting. I tell a story of my only 40-day fast, which was at the beginning of my ministry, and it was in the Republic of South Africa when I was there with an evangelist visa. During the 40-day fast, I had a very important open door to me, to the King of the Zulus, an African nation of 7 million plus under the overarching supervision of the Republic of South Africa. So a monarch within a republic. And he's real. He's got sway. And for reasons I'll never know, he wanted to meet me. I was in my mid-twenties at the time. But fasting will do things and open doors that normally would not be possible. And the king actually put a banquet on for us, and I didn't know it. I thought we were going to have a cup of tea and a one-hour chat. There was the banquet. And I was on day 32 of the fast, and I wasn't prepared to do this 40 days again. My companions were also fasting, but they were only on day 14. So I successfully convinced my companions to break their fast because it would be highly offensive to turn down the king's banquet or just watch him and one other eating while the rest of us stared. So they agreed, they partook of the banquet, and I was able to persuade His Majesty the King that God had told me not to eat, and I cannot break the vow. And therefore, he accepted that, after all everyone else was eating, and we were able to testify to him, witness to him, and prophesy to him. Fasting works. And just for the record, when you do a long fast, you're not technically hungry during that period. The hunger comes usually at the end. It's a very interesting feeling. It's not normal, but it's not painful. Maybe at times uncomfortable, but you're not hungry, normally speaking, in the longer fast. That leads me to point four, how to fast. I'm going to suggest four types of fasts. First of all is a total fast, otherwise known as the Esther fast. No food, no water. You do this fast when you're desperate and or it's an emergency. 
I personally think three days of that is enough. It's radical, but it gets results. Last time I did an Esther fast, I wasn't praying about this matter, but I did the Esther fast. God told me to get married. I was 25. He told me who to marry. He told me when to marry. All this in a matter of hours of each other. As a result of opening myself up to the Lord and the Holy Spirit's power through fasting. And it all worked out splendidly. There is the water fast, preferably warm water or room temperature water with a slice of lemon rather than ice cold. Some people think it's the only way to fast, and I respectfully disagree. The Bible has all these different fasts in it, and all of them are potent. Then there's the liquid fast, herbal tea, clear broth, coffee, and so on. Then there's the partial fast. Daniel is famous for that. He did a partial fast in Daniel chapter 1 when he would not eat the king's rich but unkosher food. He does another partial fast in Daniel chapter 10 verse 3 as an older man. And he makes this comment. This is the Daniel fast, partial fasting. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. In other words, no wine, no meat, no comfort foods, but Daniel did eat. His prayer was heard on day one of the fast, but it took 21 days for the angelic messenger to break through the barrier caused by the prince of Persia. And thank God Daniel persisted as well because we had more revelation of prophetic events in the last days. When it comes to partial fasting, it can be abstinence from certain foods or one meal a day. As I said earlier, all forms of fasting are effective, so be led by the Spirit which one you end up doing. But I want to give a caveat here. Fasting should be done wisely. If there's any question or doubt that you're healthy enough to fast, whether it's a few meals, whether it's a few days, whether it's a longer fast, then please make sure you're healthy. If not, you're not sure, ask a physician. But don't be gung-ho about something that is meant to be a blessing, but handled unwisely can be troublesome. I want to recommend two books, as well as Isaiah 58, which is called The Fasting Chapter. One is called God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace, W A L. I-S, and the other one is called Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting by Derek Prince. I'll repeat those, God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace, Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting by Derek Prince. As a closer, I want to recount another fast I did prior to the one that I did in South Africa. This one was in Jerusalem, where I was a graduate student at an American school. I wanted to preach. I was 23 years old, and I wanted to travel globally for God. I didn't want to just be a tourist. I wanted to be a minister. So in Jerusalem, I prayed and fasted, a liquid fast, and on day 17, God spoke to me, I've heard your prayers. You can break your fast. I was prepared to go to 21 days, but you know, you do what God says. Let me tell you, 
That was the best thing I could have done. Instead of going to the pastor and saying, I want to preach, I went to God and said, I want to preach and didn't tell anybody my heart's desire. Within two months of that prayer and fasting season, God opened the door to preaching for me, and I've been preaching ever since. As far as the traveling for the Lord, like Corey Ten Boom did, that happened within less than a year. I was sent on a very unusual mission the first time, but after that, it was public for all to see. Let me just remind you again, as I close this message, fasting alone is dieting. We want divine rewards, so we pray and we fast. And remember, fasting is not famine. Fasting is feasting on God's Word and drinking living water from the Holy Spirit. The End